Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and Sportsnet 360, Ben Ennis, alongside Blake Murphy. We've got... Um, Are you, though? Are you alongside Blake Murphy? <laughs> I, I am, for sure. I'm... You uh, may, you may, if you're watching, you might not know that. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, I am. Um, I'm, I'm currently, like, when you go on MLB.com player profile and they just got called up so they don't have a picture yet. It's right. just a silhouette. All right, Mark Savard coming up at 6.30, uh, former Stanley Cup champion, former St. Louis Blues assistant coach, so knows Ryan O'Reilly rather well, uh, currently head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. But uh, let's talk a little Blue Jays, who continue their series against the White Sox tonight, afternoon affair tomorrow um, to wrap up the series. White Sox are bad. White Sox walk a lot of people. White Sox were bad and walked a lot of people yesterday. Eight. Toronto Blue Jays as they take a game one of the series. I talked about the bottom of the order going into that game. What I tell you, talk to me if they don't get going against the Chicago White Sox. Yes, exactly. And just like Luke Shen, you know, hearing your tweets and responding directly (laughs) to your opinions. Although in the case of Shen, it's because I was negative. In the case of the Jays bottom of the order, it's because I was positive oh i was gonna say they responded to me being oh yeah sorry no yeah, it's, it's about not me. always about you Blake. center of the universe buddy uh so the seven eight nine hitters were five for 11 with a double and a homer that home run uh hit by cavin biggio who for some reason was not thrown exclusively fastballs uh he was two well, for I'll 26 why, on fastballs it's, it's lance lynn like yeah. it, it's a it's what it's coming in at 93 doesn't at this matter point. and you throw can, the fastball you can tell me all you want about oh like lance lynn's extension or whatever I, I will trust a major league hitter to at least be able to handle fastballs that are in the 93 94 range so that's my best guess at why but yeah, he needed that one pretty badly given his start, especially coming off of a Sunday game in which he uh, botched a pair of bunts, mm-hmm. bunted out twice, once trying to make something happen uh, to bunt his way aboard, and once in an obvious sacrifice situation where he just popped it right back up with the bunt to the pitcher. Um, yeah, he needed that. And we've talked about a couple of the guys in the bottom of the order needing it. Danny Jansen having some moments on the weekend. Brandon Belt with two hits again yesterday. Dude, and, I mean, if you, okay, if and, you, and if you want to strike out, out, yeah, it, well, here's the thing. If So there's a couple of Brandon Belt things that are intriguing. One yeah. is, the, is the, the the stat line at home, which is like good. It's yeah. a, I, it's a well, very small sample. I get it. Okay, hold on. I'll, get, I'll let you rip you, into Brandon just, Belt. No, I'm not going to rip into him. I'm going to rip into your use of, well, 50 plate appearances <laughs> isn't enough. Let me tell you about 20 plate appearances. <laughs> no, I don't believe that. But here's what I do believe. When Brandon Belt makes contact with a baseball, it actually works out for him. Now, the problem, of course, that that, that is happening uh, happening not uh, far frequent, frequently enough, him making contact with the baseballs, although, as you mentioned, no strikeouts yesterday. Yeah, but he, you, you look under his... the hood, like the exit, average exit velocity, the hard hit rate, those are good. So you hit the ball, it works out for Brandon Belt. Yeah. You swing and a miss, it's bad for Brandon Belt. And he doesn't need to be like Alejandro Kirk limiting strikeouts in his monster 2021. He struck out 27% of the time. Yeah. He's going to swing and miss. He's a lefty with kind of a, just a little less. Yeah. With like a bit of a long or I maybe long is not the word. Yeah. Just a big swing. A lot of, a lot of moving parts in that. swing. Not one that you would, if you had a a child who was left-handed, you would say, you see that that's Brandon Bell. That's how you want to swing. I know you can have your Ken Griffey juniors. Give me Brandon Bell. Yeah. Um, he's six three two thirty and hit twenty nine home runs once. <laughs> if he is making okay contact, uh, he's going to be fine more often than he's not. And I, 
I think if you were going to be as Brandon Belt optimistic as possible, you would say, well, this is a guy who told us that he needed X number of plate appearances coming into the year. He, he was wrong. He didn't get them all, <laughs> but he didn't even get the number yeah. in spring training because he got a late start to it. So he didn't get that number. And then maybe you look and you say, well, okay, uh, up until April 8th, those first six games, he was, I don't know, over infinity. A zillion, he was, yeah. I think he was one for 26. He had a hit like in the or, opener. He had a double in the opener. Yeah, there's a couple walks mixed in. So maybe it was like one for 22 with, with uh-huh. a couple walks mixed in, whatever it was. And maybe that was his ramp up, right? Maybe that was his spring training. They've also used him a little more selectively since then and been, you know, not an everyday kind of guy. Yeah. But I think this is very, very encouraging. And, you know, anytime you're dealing with a, a guy coming off of a quite a bad year who just turned 35, you're going to be ready for the other shoe to drop. But mm-hmm. at least right now he's looking like, that shoe's not going to drop for right now. No, the shoe is staying suspended in midair. Keep your shoes whatever. on. I don't, I don't know. know. He's back in the lineup today. You burn your feet. You get some shoes. <laughs> He's what? He's hitting fifth as a, as the DH. This is like this is the the optimal lineup that the Blue Jays are are trotting out today with Whit no. Merrifield at second base. Okay, sorry, no Alejandro Kirk. Correct. Okay. Yes. Outside you can't of call Al- it the A lineup if it's not the A lineup. Okay, got it. Outside of Alejandro Kirk, this is the A lineup because Whit Merrifield. My guy uh, continues to hit 17 game on base mm-hmm. streak, 10 game hitting streak. He's hitting 317. He's hitting nothing hard, and I, I get it. Like, but he's with Merrifield, he's with Merrifield, and and certainly a lot better. I mean, this is honestly all the Blue Jays could have hoped for out of Whit Merrifield when they acquired him. This is a guy that was expected to be. You know what? That's a good question. Was he expected to be the everyday second baseman when they acquired him? Because they they had obviously options there, and and things were starting to cool off for Santiago um, Espinal, and I, obviously they love Kevin Biggio, but they also acquired him. I believe George Springer was hurt at the time, so there yeah, was, was already some outfield. There was for already sure. a belief that he'd play some outfield in there, including as well. center field. Yeah, so I think. You know, they and they acquired him knowing that he had this year left on his and, deal. But they so, did. They gave him a bit of a runway to take the job and run with it mm-hmm. every day. And he was real bad. Yeah. The, and, then by, and by the end, it was uh, almost an even split between the three of them. Merrifield, mm-hmm. Biggio and Espinal. And obviously shouldn't be anymore. Co- come playoff time. Merrifield had rounded into form Looked again. Like this and, guy. Yeah. And they uh, they, you know, we could talk to to Arden or Ben Nicholson Smith or whoever about some of the changes that they tried to help with Merrifield make. But the the honest truth is, if you're playing second base and, and you have some positional versatility and you have some legs to you Mm -hmm. the bar for hitting in 2023 is not super super high uh and he's clearing it monstrously like you said hitting 317 this would be the highest walk rate of his career and and yeah it's early but walk rate is one of the quickest things stats to stabilize like we know if there's been a plate discipline improvement fairly early on for a guy um still doesn't really strike out very much and we haven't seen the legs yet is is the one curiosity that he's been on base way more i mean by strictly by obp he's been on base more than he's ever been in his entire career uh but he's only stolen two bases that that's the one thing i'm yeah. i'm being greedy here with merrifield hitting for a better average walking more sprint speed is good and too playing solid defense and i'm like okay give me some more then well and this is a guy that's yeah led the american league in steals before also i haven't seen a white Sox lineup so i, sh- I shouldn't talk about yasmani grandel's pop time if I if uh, I'm not sure if he's in the lineup as the he catcher is. today, he's, he's catching. catching. Okay, uh, his pop time is third worst in all of baseball. Uh, ignore that Alejandro Kirk is eighth worst in all of baseball, but yeah, Yasmani Crandall, 
you can run on him, as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. proved yesterday. Like, there was a throw, so you can't say without a throw, but not even close, and it was all jump, right? Like, nobody's throwing out Vladdy when he's halfway to second base. And this is the, you know, this is going to be the talking point this year, and and I'll say it sometimes tongue-in-cheek that you steal on the the pitcher, not on the catcher. Now, we know that that is true-ish, and there are some catchers, obviously, who do a poor job of managing the running game. Like, you can say you steal on the pitcher, not the catcher, but I guarantee you if you threw me behind the plate, mm-hmm. guys would run a lot more, you know, <laughs> and run more successfully. That wouldn't be on the pitcher. Yosemite Grandel has given up a boatload of stolen bases the yeah. last couple of years. Uh, base runners were 46 of 54 yeah. against them last year. So you're talking about That's almost, when nobody stole. almost a 90% clip when no one stole <laughs> and the success rate in baseball was about 15 percentage points lower. Uh, he's already given up, or he's shouldn't say given up. Sorry, Mike Petriello. Uh, we got to share the blame with the oh, pitchers. Uh, but 17 stolen bases when Yasmani Grandel's behind the plate and he's only started 15 games. Mm-hmm. It's a stolen base a game. Like, it, I, I know... We're in a, an interesting time data-wise figuring all this stuff out. And Reese McGuire has uh, been stolen on a ton. And it's almost we can actually trace that to it, it being a lot of the pitchers. Uh, I think Yasmani Grandal is a guy that I would like to see the green light on against. Yeah. Regardless of how well Mike Clevenger does or does not deliver to the plate. Yep. Uh, and Vladdy took advantage of him yesterday. So um, now that we're extrapolating numbers. Mm-hmm. So we are now on pace for, well, first of all, 1,400 feet out, uh, foot outs for Matt Chapman, who had another one yesterday, mm-hmm. but also another home run robbery. We've now played seven home games here at the new and improved Rogers Center with the cutout in center field. And there have been two robberies. So quick math, that is 23 homer rog- uh, robberies over 81 home games here, Blake. That seems like too many. I, and obviously that's, that's going to taper off, but it is like we've seen also... Kevin Kiermaier come close to yet another one. Like, that is, I think, early takeaways on the new dimensions of the ballpark. Like, that, that is the one that is most noticeable, that that is going to happen a lot, it feels like. Yeah, it's highlight central, right? And, you know, maybe we have to see, of course, over the course of the year, like, just because there are some nice catches on it doesn't mean that wall height and distance is a mistake necessarily. Like, No, I, I wouldn't say that either. I'm like, just... we'll see, right? Like, if, the, if that wall is nine feet instead... And those circuit, those heroic catches aren't mm-hmm. getting made. Well, they probably are getting made. They're just getting made in front of the wall and they don't right. look as nice. So <laughs> if the catch is going to get made anyway, wouldn't you rather it look yeah. pretty cool? So that's where I'm at with that. I do think there is a, like, it feels so weird to say that Matt Chapman with how hot his start has been, has been one of the unluckiest hitters in baseball. It's insane. He absolutely has. Like he it's has crazy. five home runs and I know Statcast. So Statcast has this thing that takes all your batted balls and places them in different ballparks and tells you how many home runs would you have if you played every game yeah. at Great American Ballpark in uh-huh. Cincinnati. Chapman would have 11. Yeah. He'd have 10 if all his hits were where the Angels play. Uh, he only I've never has, seen 100th percentiles. I, I, he has like a bunch of 100th percentiles in his Statcast well, stuff. you have seen 100th percentiles because someone has to be 100th percent. 100th percentile just means you're in first place. Yeah. Number one in hard hit rate. Number one in expected slugging. Number one in expected weighted on base average. Number one in barrel rate. Uh-huh. And I mentioned this on the broadcast on the weekend. Um, friends of mine, uh, Robert Orr at, at Baseball Prospectus, has kind of tried to develop this new stat that says, hey, you know what? Exit velocity 
velocity, launch angle, barrel, hard hit. Like that's a lot of different stats trying to tell us one thing together. What if we just make one thing Mm. and it takes exit velocity, but it also looks at the exit velocity's relationship with launch angle and spray angle. So to what part of the park you, you hit it to. And basically it, it, the stat he's come up with is damage rate. Mm. And it's how many of your batted balls, are projected to do damage in a neutral environment. Matt Chapman is lapping the league. Mm-hmm. He's at like 50% of his batted balls are like high damage balls. Mm-hmm. And like the next high is like 42%. And it's just a list of like all the best mashers in all of baseball. No, he's been really good. Yeah. And it's it's been uh, well time for him, a guy that's headed towards free agency. By the way, if you uh, turned off the game and you, all you saw was uh, Chris Bassett leave and you were concerned mm. about the back thing, he's like, I'm not even going to miss a, a, a bullpen. Like, I'll be totally fine. But yes. it was, it is concerning to see. I thought he grabbed his elbow. When I saw mm. him depart, I was like, oh boy. It's he's, not It's not often that a guy will remove himself from the game. Obviously, he was uh, closing in on 100 pitches. He looked spectacular again. Like he has yeah. basically in each and every start since the, the first one where he had the worst start of his entire career. But yeah, he's yeah. totally fine. A little bit of command stuff yesterday, but he's a guy also that can work around some walks against a, a lesser lineup anyway, because he's throwing infinity pitches. And if would, would it surprise you if afterwards he's like, oh, I had a lead against the White Sox. I was trying some stuff like mm-hmm. probably not. So um, yeah, it, it's great that he sounds like he's fine. Uh, he's in his mid thirties and felt a little tweak in his back and was like, ah, I'm going home for the day. Oh, I wish um, that was the case yeah, for all of us. <laughs> the, it is It is maybe worth noting that Casey Lawrence, who uh, pitches at AAA Buffalo and is on the same day as Chris Bassett, was pulled from his start yesterday after three innings at 45 pitches. Yeah. Um, now, the way the timing lines up, who knows, right? Do, do they see Bassett pull himself and they're like, okay, we got to be careful because he's the next man up and we'll just be super cautious. Was it more than Bassett let on? I don't know. I thought it was notable that Lawrence got yanked from the game after uh, basically what would amount to a bullpen session in, instead of a full start. I think that's just pragmatic. Um, it's not like Casey Lawrence is, you know, a prospect or an no, guy who needs to get his innings actually, in. Actually, his his name should, yeah, send a shiver up your spine. Like, yeah, okay, K- Casey Lawrence is not the worst pitcher that ever lived. But that's that's the the starting depth that the Blue Jays are dealing with at uh, the AAA level. Yeah, it, look, the, the AAA Buffalo <laughs> team is this bizarro team. They did this last year. Yeah. Basically, once they gave up on Thomas Hatch and Anthony K as starters last year, they don't have starters. No. They have guys that go three or four innings, mm-hmm. and basically, basically they have a team full of openers Mm -hmm. and whenever the Jays need someone they'll call up an opener now that's not all the way true for Casey Lawrence and Zach Thompson but yeah there is not traditional starting pitching depth down there and Drew Hutchison's around as well um Ricky Tiedemann starts again today at double-A? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's special. I'll be uh, paying attention to that. Uh, Nate I can't Pearson tell if you're out. being sarcastic no, or not. No, okay. of course I'm good. Do I, do I not like young left-handers who throw I, 100 miles an hour? I didn't know if I'm you were... I'm never sarcastic, okay? okay? Everything's on the up and up here. Uh, by the way, wrapping up the, the injury um, checklist here, Santiago Espinal apparently available to pinch hit if, if he's needed, so... Um, Poor Otto Lopez is back down to AAA. But, yeah, he's he's going to get his chance at some point. I mean, he's got to start hitting better. Like He, he started he is, off well, and they cooled off. Yeah, definitely. he's hitting like a buck fifty down there. And this is uh, – I went through all the options for potential call-ups if Espinal was going to miss a bunch of time. And um, no one is off to a good – like nobody on the 40-man is mm-hmm. off to a good start, at least anyone who could – ostensibly, you know, back up at second and, yeah. and third base. Like, Addison Barger really cooled off, too. He's cooled off. Relvis Martinez is not off to a good start. Um, Otto Lopez, Vinny Capra, Leo Jimenez, all mm. the utility middle infielders types, not off to a great start uh, there either. 
this is ridiculous. Oh yeah, I was actually going to bring this yes. up. So it's I figured. Um, it's it's uh, Looney Dog Night, the first one this season at Rogers Center. Uh, every Tuesday home game is Looney Dog Night, where hot dogs are a one dollar. And to, to kick it off, first uh, Looney Dog Night of the season, Joey Chestnut, who was on the morning show today on Sportsnet Five Nine, the fan, is in the house. I imagine, like you saw the Nate Diaz street fight thing. Like I imagine, there's a lot of like Joey Chestnut people challenging Joey Chestnut to to eat hot dogs. And I imagine like Nate Diaz, who just like you know, kind of choked out the guy. Like he has to be like, yeah, I'll I'll challenge you to a hot dog eating competition, and like. You know, it was one man. quarter speed. If I'm Joey Chestnut, I'm, I'm a prize fighter. I don't get in the ring for a random jabroni. You don't think that that was part of whatever fee that the Blue Jays Rogers paid him to show up today, that he has to eat some hot dogs? You think that what? Joey Chestnut is showing up on Looney Dog Night well, and not eating hot dogs? Here's a, this is something, poor journalism from the morning show. Uh, this is my big question. He is a hostess brand sponsored athlete can he even within within his endorsement contract be part of a maple leaf food eating challenge that's a great question like we know nathan that was the big thing with kobayashi right like he and kobayashi although those were warring competitive eating circuits and boy i don't want to go down the competitive eating wormhole which i know a lot about politics the the money the subterfuge (laughs) it's uh it's a lot man yeah, it sure is. So say hello to Joey Chestnut. I've talked to him on the radio too. He's like a delightful gentleman. Um, sicko. Though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Here's what needs to happen. And this won't be as funny if it actually happens. Cause I'm going to lay it out now, but some umpire or someone from the Jays needs to check his hands for mustard after ah, he throws out the first pitch. Right. That's good. That's really good. If you mix a little spicy mustard with rosin, you do the David uh, Cohn. Yeah. You do the, the little cow, sticky yeah. tack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We did talk about that, I think, uh, on one of these shows. Um, yeah, the David Cohn. Using mustard on a base. No, that the, the rosin thing with the alcohol. Yeah, Max Scherzer was correct. Uh, one more thing before we move off of baseball here. Jeff Passan, with uh, his latest on ESPN, broke down a couple of different things. And part of it was, hey, just checking in on, on the stolen base rate and, and the, the offense, despite the fact that these games are shorter, the offense actually hasn't had a massive uptick. It has over the last couple of years because that, those were horrible, horrible years. But, like, we're only back to, like, 2018-type mm-hmm. offense. But what caught my eye, specifically, Blake, this is coming off a season in which we had a shortened spring training. No, the, the injury rate this season is up way up like yeah. from from what we've ever seen since the start of spring training and the 20th day in the season 236 players have hit the IL that's the highest number ever in that period and by a wide margin now in the piece passing talks to some trainers and and it seems that they don't believe it's a pitch clock thing natural culprit though probably world baseball classic which we But we, how many of those guys Participate in the World Baseball Classic because yeah, I, I, I those numbers. I referenced that study heading into this World Baseball Classic when you raised that as a as a question mark, yeah. and there was an impact, but it was very small. Like mm-hmm. it it was worked out to an average of two extra days on the IL per player over the course of the season. Not the entire league is injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, it's just something to keep. Uh, it, it is, and I'll tell you this much: lack like, of. Uh, nobody cares about anyone else's fantasy team, but anyone who plays fantasy baseball is well aware of the yeah. IL rate. Like leagues are scrambling to, well, do we is... need to add more IL spots? Yeah, this is, this is it. I mean, this is, you can, you can view the Blue Jays start in this, in this mode as well, because Hey, the Rays have been bit by the injury bug and they continue to win. By the way, they, now fan graphs has them at 63% to win the American league East. Cause all they do is win, what? but that the Blue Jays haven't, haven't, uh, 
suffered uh, a significant injury yet, knock on wood. No, Adam Simber's fake rhomboid yeah. strain, <laughs> and that's it. Honestly, that was the first roster move other than Lucas and Lovelock going up and down. Yeah. Um, that race, rhomboid. by the way, the the Rays, so 14-0 and at home, unbelievable home start, the, the best since 1886. We thought there were, like, you have to go so far back that to verify when the last time a team had a home start this strong was, they had to miss their 3,000 it. ESPN stats and info was looking at the home starts and was like, Oh no, this team had a 15 0 start, but forfeited a game within mm. there. That counts as a loss breaks your homes. That's how far back we have to go. In addition to that, the 20 and three overall start 55 Brooklyn Dodgers and 1911 Tigers. The only teams that have started better than 20 and three over the first 23 it's games. It's, it's insane. Um, they have yet to win a series against the blue Jays this season. I would say uh, they're and one. That's the antidote. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we got to talk about Jimmy Butler because, I mean, Justin Bourne raised the specter of the incredible 56-point uh, franchise record playoff game he had against Giannis, who returned to the Bucks. Like, this was a fully loaded best team in the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks, and Jimmy Butler lit him up on what like no no shots basically no shots hit them all hit all his free throws hit his threes as you mentioned actually earlier on the show this is not a guy that's a prolific three-point shooter like in the low 30s percent in the postseason so far he's shooting over 50 percent here's what i would say blake i'll let you go off on jimmy but i have jimmy thoughts too because we all saw him in 2019 how much he meant to that Sixers team and how much he almost snatched that series away from the Toronto Raptors was a, you know, four bounces on a rim away from from taking it. And and here's the big thing, right? If you remember back to that, it's, okay, Joel Embiid is the best player nah. on that team. Who are you most scared nah, of? Nah, it's Jimmy. It was Jimmy. And 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 forever and ever and ever, the Sixers will look back at, at how that offseason played out and however it did and, and, and how, how they screwed it up. And the Bulls. Yeah. The Bulls, like, I, I have friends who are Bulls fans and have, you know, melted down over this front office's decisions for the last several years anyway. But Jimmy Butler is the best Bull since Michael Jordan. Like, maybe you could argue Derrick Rose's MVP season, mm. but that was, like, that was the high watermark for Rose, and he was never really at that. Like, he was good, but he was mm. not at that MVP level. Jimmy Butler had years and years and years, and they traded him for Zach Levine, who hasn't become an equal or better version of Jimmy Butler, mm. and spare parts that they then flipped around elsewhere, like Laurie Markin, who they immediately gave up on, Chris Dunn, who they immediately gave up on and is now actually both those guys are with the Utah Jazz funny <laughs> enough um so Dan Devine of uh the ringer friend of the show pulled some data so going back to the year 2000 so that's 23 years Jimmy Butler has four of the top 19 best single game playoff performances yeah and six of the top 40 yeah by himself in the bubble finals like was you know Last, lifted his heat team to a win over the lakers the only games that grayed out and this is using ba- basketball references game score which is attempts to do a catch-all doesn't factor yeah. in defense but J- obviously jimmy butler is unbelievable defensively yeah, as sure well is. um the only games better than that one were when dame scored 55 in, in that double overtime lost to denver a couple years ago mm. and KD had a 49-17-10 triple-double when the Nets almost upset the Bucks. Yeah. No, he's unbelievable. That's it. And, and then he has a bunch more of those games also. Yeah, he's really good. And it's, it's insane that that team, who was a play-in team, um, who was a team that honestly didn't look so great. I mean, lost the first play-in tournament game, uh, has a chance now to upset... Again, the best team in the NBA from a record perspective, an MVP candidate this year, a former MVP, 
a former championship team in the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, it's not over yet, but holy cow. Speaking of, of play-in tournament teams, this might be the postseason of the play-in tournament team because the Lakers are now up 3-1 on the Grizzlies as well, and poor Dylan Brooks is like, now that's the example. Like, if you, if oh, you yeah. talk and you can't back it up, like forever, that's a Dylan and now Brooks. Now you're now you're avoiding media post game. Yeah. Like last game, he got to do it because he had been ejected, and yeah. now he said, "I'm done." Yeah. Is what he said after no. last night. Nah, this is. I think listeners of the show and listeners to me over the course of Dylan Brooks's career know I'm a I'm a Dylan Brooks guy and yeah. think there is a real place in the league for this. But you gotta take your losses. Like, yeah. I mean, I opened the show being like, I was wrong about Luke Shen. Yeah. You, you got to take the it. same thing. Dylan, yeah, it is the same thing. <laughs> Dylan Brooks needs to go out there and was like, LeBron is old. I heard Blake, Blake take it on the chain I, about I poked, his Luke Shen stuff. I poked the bear and yeah. I'm covered in bear marks, bear bites <laughs> okay. and bear scratches. Yeah. And yeah. Um, he has eaten. And, and I thought Le- last night was a fascinating LeBron night because he's 38 years old. And for the entire fourth quarter, until the until literal buzzer, he, needed it. he didn't have a, a bucket. Xavier Tillman is guarding him, not Dylan Brooks or not yeah. one of the typical guys you'd expect. And he just like, he d- couldn't really find it as a scorer. He's like, okay, I'm going to get 20 rebounds instead. And then when it mattered most, still found that gear. He's got that tier three layup and the, you know, some of the shots down, down the stretch. Oh, what could have been the all-time greatest buzzer beater in the history of basketball that yeah. never was. And we all knew yeah. it in the moment that it wouldn't have counted. But, yeah, yeah. That with point, what was it, point eight? The, yeah. the Grizzlies inbound and still LeBron hits. Yeah, yeah. shot just after the buzzer. Um, so that that's really great. And to your point about the play-in, like, yeah, we set up the playoffs as the play-ins are so good and they're so fun. But at some point, a play-in team will actually have to win because that is your proof that it matters. It's your proof that the Mavs are idiots for tanking when you have Luka Doncic and could be trying, like, the Nuggets are up 3-1 on the Wolves. It's not like they've looked unbelievable. You're telling me a Luka Doncic-led team couldn't get hot at the right time, have a bad Jokic game here, a bad Jamal Murray game there, and and take off with it? it? It's nonsense. So now you're going to have probably the Lakers beat the Grizzlies, which is one that... That was the one everyone picked, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, okay, well, the West is so deep and so good, and the Lakers were so injured and started so slow that if a playing team's ever going to win, that's what it looks like. The Heat are a complete anomaly where, and, and they're a little bit tough just because they would have been a playoff team without the play-in, but they're an example of, well, anything can happen in the playoffs, right? Giannis can get Not hurt and usually. miss a couple games. And per the reporting of Shams Trania, like Giannis was on an IV most of yesterday to be able to play. Yeah. And so he's, you know, you take two when Giannis is hurt and then all you have to do is win two out of five with Giannis healthy. Well, I mean, this would also maybe go to Masai's point that, that there's no dominant forces in the NBA. Okay, now my counter to that. And I think Michael Grange mentioned this in a, in a column today at sportsnet.ca yeah. is that the parody is not because there are no good teams. It's yeah. because there are a lot of good everybody's teams. good. And I don't think the Raptors qualify, right? Like, no, pretty clearly not. Yeah. So I, that doesn't get me excited for the parody. I do think that things can happen and health and momentum and matchups all, of course, really, really matter. No, but Blake, yeah, we've been through dynastic eras of this NBA over the last decade, yeah. right? Like, and, and it's been fait accompli going into the postseason. We're just doing it because... Well, we knew the Warriors-Cavs were going to be the finals four years in a row. Yeah. There was one year so where they, we're they not lost there. the combined can, one game. Yes. Yeah. We, we can say pretty safely we're not there. Like, I don't think all no. of a sudden the NBA is the 
NHL, right? And it's the Stanley Cup playoffs, no. and you can be an eight seed and win the whole damn thing. Maybe you can be a playing team in, in the Lakers and win the whole damn thing. Like, that would be the team that I would, yeah. I would pick. But now yeah, they're no. looking pretty labored. But, yeah, yeah, and look, for a lot of these teams – Making the playoffs and winning around is a good next step forward. The Lakers aren't the, the Lakers are title or bust, but there are some teams for whom making the playoffs. Like if the Wolves had beat the Nuggets, that would have marked a pretty successful year for them. Yeah, they traded a bajillion picks for Rudy Gobert. Nobody on that core has playoff experience though. Yeah. For them to win a, a round and knock off the one seed Nuggets would have been a nice accomplishment for them. Um, you know, the Heat are kind of in this perpetual win now mode where. Weirdly, the Heat are one of the teams that are going to be most affected by the new like double tax in the mm. new CBA because they project to have like a Clippers slash Warriors esque payroll next year. Mm. Um, damn, not a not acquitting himself super well as a as a running mate for Jimmy Butler right now. Anyway, they, uh, any way you chop it up, this is great for the sport. It's great for the future of the play in. It's great for playoff excitement. The ebbs and flows of the league. We'll be back to a time where there's a, something closer to a dynastic team. Like the Warriors could very well be that team, right? Like they, they could get to the finals again this year. They've tied it up 2-2 with the Kings. And, and De'Aaron Fox has the broken finger. He's, he says he's going to play? Yeah, and I, I don't know. We saw Jaw play yesterday. He didn't shoot super well, but looked you know, pretty healthy. I know it's a different deal, right? Like yeah. it's not it's a also, broken finger and it's, yeah. Yeah, also though, like, my favorite, maybe my favorite series of basketball memes ever because like Jaw did the thing yesterday that he always does once in a while, but he spent a whole game just like throwing his body into people for yes. layups oh my. and all the, uh, the Jeff he Hardy and photo shots oh, and yeah. stuff. Uh, um, we could be headed, by the way, to LeBron against the Warriors yeah. in a playoff series. I, I think I'd take that. I, I, that'd be fun. Yeah, it's. Uh, I know a couple of these first round matchups have been, if not duds, then well, all the, all of them that are going tonight, honestly, and it's no fault of, I guess, the Clippers because Kawhi's out again, and like, Paul George. Yeah, and yeah. There's not a, a ton you can do there, but the Nuggets should take care of the gentleman sweep tonight. The Celtics absolutely mm-hmm. gentleman sweep tonight, and then yeah, I don't know, maybe the I don't know if the Clippers can reach back and find it once more. I'd probably no. bet against it with no Kawhi and no Paul George, um, but. Look ahead to the second round and find me a game you want to miss. No, I don't want to miss any game. Yeah. Do I have to? It's no. going to be fun. No, right. you don't have okay, to. Okay, good. All right. Well, uh, maybe if the Leafs make it to the second <laughs> round. Yeah, this is something we haven't had to we haven't had to juggle since we were in high school. What do you do when there's a Leaf game on and there's like a Western Conference uh, banger or an East or a third round playoff banger in the NBA? Yeah. Well, you know what? If that happens, and I said if. Maple Leafs win this series, it's quite likely they will be playing the Boston Bruins where our next guest used to play. One of them good problems. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We'll talk to Mark Savard, former Stanley Cup champion, former St. Louis Blues assistant coach, uh, currently head coach of the Windsor Spitfires. Next, as the fan drive time continues, Ben Annis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and Sportsnet 360. You know, the first one they scored was complete. We just got way out of our structure and gave up a rush we should have never gave up. Um, and then in the end, couldn't kill a penalty, and seeing I single goes in the third, and all of a sudden you're down. Uh, did we probably, we, we, you know, did was that, what's that cliche, play it not to lose? Yeah, I mean, you can look at that now. All right, fan drive time, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Annis, Blake Murphy. We're also live on Sportsnet 360. That was John Cooper, uh, head coach of the... 
Tampa Bay Lightning. Let's talk to the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires, former Stanley Cup champion with the Boston Bruins, former St. Louis Blues assistant coach, and a proud father as well, nervous because his kid, Tyler Savard, who scored the game winner in game six, forcing this game seven, is getting ready to watch uh, the Barry Colts play the North Bay Battalion in game seven tonight. It's Mark Savard. How's it going, Savvy? Let's go, boys. Game seven. <laughs> I like it. Got the house up. Got a viewing party coming over, and uh, hopefully we can get her done tonight. So this is odd for you to, to be a head coach of a team. I mean, it, you're not involved in the playoffs right now. But, yeah, how does that work when you're obviously so proud of your kid? I mean, the, the potential exists for you to, to face his team in the, in the postseason. I guess that this actually works out that you can unabashedly root for him. Exactly. Last night I was at game six, fully clothed in Barry Colt's outfit. Now I'm just a parent, right? I'm a, I'm a proud father, and, uh, you know, the Windsor Spitfires are – you know, where I work, but uh, I'm always going to uh, root for my son. And last night uh, was a great game. Game six down there, like you said, he uh, he got the second goal and then he got the third goal with about two minutes left. And, uh, you know, like you said, I'm really proud. And uh, But, yeah, fully clothed in Barry Colt's outfits. You were, you were when I was fired last night, that's for sure. Are, are you more nervous for this game than you were for any of your, your own postseason games with the Spits? Oh yeah, for sure. Anything you can't control, you're always, I think, a little more nervous for. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm really nervous here. But like I said, we got about uh, eight people coming to the house here, and we got her set up in the in the games room, and uh, should be fun. And hopefully, they get it done. Because if they do get it done, remember, I live in Peterborough. They they mm-hmm. play the Pete, so it works out great. So. Uh, you know, hopefully everything aligns uh, here. It'll be awesome. Well, Tyler's performance brings up a, a natural pivot to some of the Leafs stuff we want to ask you about because like Ryan O'Reilly, who you coached uh, while you were an assistant with the St. Louis Blues, uh, just like an outsized impact on the playoffs. He's already, Your son already has almost as many points in the playoffs as he had in the regular season. Um, what do Tyler and Ryan O'Reilly share about that ability to pick it up in the playoffs and, and you know take it to another level when it matters most? Well, it is amazing, and and I remember getting down to St. Louis, and uh, you know, I I know him as O'Ry or whatever you <laughs> nickname, and and but then I heard this factor going around, and I, for life of me, couldn't think of what it was, and I and I finally gave up about three months in, and said, guys, well, what's with factor? Like, is there something? He's... <laughs> and they're like, oh, he's a factor in every game and the playoffs, and and you know, and and then it, it all came right right made sense right away so that's how he got his nickname factor and then obviously went in the cup in st louis and and you can see now uh, you know why he, he is a factor he's doing it again here and uh he's a big part and, and i remember uh, you know when when he the leafs did trade for him i heard from a lot of people like is this is this a good move and i said it's a great move and, and especially if you can slot him in on that third line and you know he can play some power play he'll win every draw for you kill penalties and he's doing exactly what i thought he would do and you know, I, I still think he can play a lot more years the way he plays. And, and, the, and the attention to detail from him is amazing. And, and his hand-eye, the hand-eye is not like a nothing I've ever seen, actually. And, and that's the thing I was most impressed with coaching him is just the way he picks up pucks off the wall. I think it helps in the face-off circle. And, and just some of the things he does when he's in tight, able to get pucks from his skate to his stick. It's stuff he works on all the time, but... Uh, and a great human being at the end of the day. So they got a good one in Ryan O'Reilly. And yeah, my son could, uh, you know, take 20% of what he does. And, and <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, early returns are good in that regard, Savvy. Um, so yeah, the, the, the O'Reilly trade at the deadline, it was a, a guy that was not 
having the the best of seasons points wise with with the Blues, and he's up that significantly since he's joined the the Leafs, and certainly in the playoffs, he's he's acquitted himself uh, quite nicely. But the the majority of the impetus you would have thought for acquiring him was the the playoff pedigree, was the Con Smythe stuff, was the ability to hey trailing by a goal late in regulation in a game three have that experience to, to go out and score it and, and then win the faceoff in, in the overtime, maybe have a, a few words for the fellas after 40 minutes down three goals in, in game four. How, how impactful is that? Like not just the, the, the production that, that he's had, but like the ability to say, hey, I've been, it. I've been in it. I've been in a, a, a Stanley Cup final game seven against the Boston Bruins. Like how much of a factor should, well, could that be for the factor? It's a huge factor. Um, he's he's amazing, and, and exactly what you say. And those those attributes he brings is exactly what the Leafs needed. And then that's that's why I knew. And and, and when they made this pickup, it, it was exactly what what the doctor ordered. And and he's proven that right now in the playoffs already. So he he brings that that intangible, and he brings that presence. That you know what when there's some questions maybe in their heads in the room. Exactly what you said. He stands up and says. Boys, we got this. Relax. We got this. You know, we've we're gonna do this. It's time, and and I think he's done it. And then he knows in the playoffs, there's so many swings up and down, as you've seen last night again. It's amazing. It's it's amazing how it doesn't happen in the regular season as much because I think in the playoffs, there's that never give up mentality that the game's never over. You keep pushing till you hear that last buzzer, and and we saw uh, the rewards of that last night by the Leafs just continue to press and 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 take control of that game but again in playoffs there's that other mentality that you know and and it's almost to to a fault and as a coach i i, I try and stay away from it is is the sit back teams sitting back late in games like i i if you're up three one i want you to make it four one i i'm a real believer in that instead of sitting back and letting teams come at you and i think that happened last night with tampa so uh I, i'm sure tampa will respond but again, uh, what an effort by by Ryan O'Reilly and the guys again, and also Matthews stepping up too was amazing, and and uh, real proud of the Leafs for sure. And it's so great to see the team be able to to pull themselves out of it, and like you said, in the room after forty, maybe make that speech, maybe turn the guys around. Uh, there's also a scenario where you can win games where you just don't get yourself in a in a big old hole that you have to dig out of. You've been on the the player side, you've been on the coach side. What is your messaging heading into a game five, coming off a pair of wins? where you did have to kind of steal the game back late because you got out to poor starts. Are you kind of sticking with what worked the last couple games? Are you trying to make sure you can change some things so there's a better first foot forward? Well, I, I think my message is we got to have a great start here. If we can have a great start at home and, and make them think about things, because they've had two long runs in the playoffs, obviously winning Stanley Cups, three long runs, sorry. Yeah. You know, make them question themselves. Come out, score maybe two goals in the first period and be like, maybe they're like, Oh, you know what guys, it's a good run. Those questions don't kid yourselves. They might ask themselves that like, okay, this will be a nice summer. I can enjoy my family for once, <laughs> make them ask themselves those questions, but you got to be ready to go in game five here and uh, really put that on them and see how they react. But I think that's the message. If I'm Sheldon Keith is it's, we got to start on time. I know it's an old saying, but if we come out starting here and get a lead, uh, we could make them ask questions in that room. If they really want to dig in for another, you know, 16 wins or whatever, you know, to, to really go deep. And I, I think they might think otherwise. So I, I think that's the only message right now. If I'm Sheldon Keith. Yeah. It, there's a big decision to be made as well, because Michael Bunting is eligible to return from his suspension that, uh, 
he caused in, in game one with the, the elbow to Eric Chernak. Now, I, I wonder when you're making those decisions, because the Leafs haven't lost since he was suspended, since he was removed from the lineup. But like Blake just said, they, they haven't exactly looked dominant um, through all of the, the victories. They've looked pretty dominant in game two, I would say. Uh, but definitely not game three and not for the start of, of game four. But the lineup is one savvy. Like, how, how much does, does that impact your decision-making, whether or not to, to take somebody out and put Michael Bunting in? He was such a huge part of this team during the regular season with 23 goals and back-to-back seasons, playing on that top line with, with Marner and Matthews. I mean, how difficult a decision would that be to bring in a guy who's been a huge part of this team, but you've been able to win without him? Easy decision for me, guys. He's in the lineup a million percent. He makes your team better every night. Uh, yeah, you can start him on the fourth line and see where that goes. And if you need to move him up towards the game, yeah, they won their games. But like you said, again, it wasn't in uh, a beautiful fashion, but they ended up getting the wins. And I, you know, that's all that, uh, you know, go, let's put him in because we won, you know, that's the ritual kind of stuff. But mm. you know what? He makes my team better. I'm putting him in all night. I'm taking out a fourth line guy right now, uh, Aston Reese, I think, I believe, or someone like that. And I'm popping him in there and then seeing how the game goes and how, I'm, I'm sure he's going to give 120% because he knows he made a mistake. And uh, I, I think Michael Bunning's a no-brainer for me. He's in the lineup all day long. Uh, you made your playoff debut, Savvy, at 30 years old. You were a point-of-game guy, uh, point of game guy in, in the playoffs as well, like you were during the regular season. But um, Matthew Nyes is 20. Can you imagine being, you know, your early stages in the national? He has three games of regular season experience, and, and now he's playing in a game five with a chance to send the Toronto Maple Leafs to their first series victory in, in 20 years. Can you imagine being a 20-year-old in that spot? No, I, I couldn't. Hey, I know I couldn't. But, uh, you know, he's done an excellent job. You know, I wish I would have got in the playoffs earlier. I, I wish I would have got in the playoffs earlier. And obviously, in, you know, my first couple of years with the Rangers, we were spending way too much money and, and not getting good players. Mm. But... Um, but no, for Nyes, I mean, this is an unbelievable situation to be in. And, uh, you know, he's really uh, added some some grit to that lineup. And, and I really like the way he's played every night, uh, especially, like you said, at his age. But again, what a, what a you know, it, the big message is that you, you only get to do it so many times and you never know when it's going to be your last uh, opportunity. I know he's only 20, but again, you gotta, you gotta work every time and, and, and try and get those results. And, you know, I, I try and pass it on to my kids nowadays that, you know, last year we made it to the game seven of the, of the finals of the Ontario hockey league. You don't know whenever you're going to get back to that opportunity. So, you know, game five and you get a chance to push on to the next series, you know, leave it all out on the ice and, and really hope uh, they get an opportunity to move on. Cause in, like you said, 20 years, uh, these guys will all be heroes already just for moving on to the second round. It'd be amazing. So if they do move on to the second round, it looks fairly likely that they're going to run into the Boston Bruins, who you know quite well. Back when your name was engraved on the cup, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron were still there. Here, over a decade later, they're still going. And, and with Jim Montgomery at the helm this year, have somehow reached an even higher level. Um, what makes this group in Boston so special? And how are they able to, like, 12 years later, potentially go on another run here as maybe, and at least on paper, uh, the best team in hockey? Well, I, I think it's the room. It's the, it's the culture they've built, uh, you know, and, and the, the guys they brought back and, and the continuation of rollover. And I know the salary issue, you know, they always – take a little lighter to, to make the team continue to win. And it's just a great group and, and they believe in each other. And 
I think what Montgomery's brought in there is a real, uh, you know, added to that culture in the sense that, you know, he's a relationship guy, which I am too. I totally believe in that, having good relationships with the guys, really understanding what they need and what they want. And, and, and I think that's a huge part, and that's really brought this group together. I think he did a fantastic job. Because, you know, even since I was there, you know, we always got along great. But to have a coach continue to build that confidence in within the room and obviously the season they've had, you know, it's been amazing. So, um, you know, hopefully the Leafs get through and get an opportunity. I mean, they're still beatable, let's, let's be honest. I mean, they've had an unbelievable season, but they can be beat. Anybody can be beat. So it'll be really exciting to see the Leafs, uh, if they can get through, go against the Bruins. But obviously the Bruins are going to be favored here and, and uh, it'll be really exciting, and, and I look forward to that series. I might even get down to Boston for a couple of games. It'd be pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't surprise me one bit, Savvy. Hey, best of luck uh, to the Barry Colts tonight in Game 7 against the North Bay Battalion, Tyler Savard. He, it, uh, man, I, I, I'd put a ducket down or, or two on him to, to score a goal in this game because he is money, seemingly, Savvy. Okay, well... If you, uh, hopefully he's a factor tonight. And if you guys need me to be another factor on the show, give me a factor. <laughs> Hold on. Before we let you go, you do know that it, the, the nickname is based on the, the Fox News O'Reilly factor, right? The Bill O'Reilly had a show called the O'Reilly factor. No, I still didn't know that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. See you, Savvy. <laughs> okay, boys. Take care. All right. Mark Savard, Stanley Cup champion, uh, former St. Louis Blues assistant coach, head coach of the Windsor Spitfires, and our, our former teammate here at, at Sportsnet 590, the fan. Um, my favorite Mark Savard moment was when he was doing the Leafs postgame stuff during the playoffs, but took one of the days off to go f- wave the flag down at a Boston Bruins mm. game in the postseason. So he's able to do that. You know, he's multi-talented, faceted gentleman. You can, you can wear a couple of hats. He can, yeah. he can be the head coach of the Windsor Spitfires and cheer on the Barry Colts. Here's the thing. The better, <laughs> the better a person you are, the more everyone likes you, the, the more leeway you get to yeah. get away with stuff like that or, or you know, have one foot on, on each side of the line in the OHL playoffs or the NHL playoffs. Don't know that, uh, you know, if you had that back in Toronto, another Toronto-Boston, at least first-round series, don't know if it would play quite as well. But, uh, hey, if the Leafs moves on, we're going to be talking to that guy uh, again. Oh, yeah, there's no question. You know what? Again, I'm not putting the cart before any horses. We've seen this team blow 3-1 series leads before in recent memory. To, to lesser teams. Yeah. I will say that, I mean, not only will there be so much emotional baggage shed from this team if they win just a playoff series for the first time in 20 years. But the fact that they also, like, Leafs Bruins, you know the it was 4-1 thing is going to present itself. But now even that, like, stings way less for Leaf fans that they've they've done that. They've, they've, they've conquered that, that demon. Yeah, I do wonder how quickly the demon conquering, like, if you conquer the demon and you, like, put it in a little box, like one of those Ghostbusters mm-hmm. ghost catcher things, yeah. if they don't just, like, respawn and be like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we're back to the Stanley Cup demon now because it's also the – it's the longest uh, – it's the longest streak of first-round exits in professional sports history, and it's yeah. the longest Stanley Cup drought in the history of hockey. So I, I think you could pretty quickly change point. demons. Uh, <laughs> I think everyone will be really, really happy for like a couple a days. Demon. And then, yeah, I don't know if it's a, it's another, like, look, I'm not going to argue with any result where, you know, literally I was in high school the last time that they won a playoff series. That will be cause for a giant exhale and minor celebration. But the, I do think given how good this team is and how good they can look at times, the, the, 
focus is going to shift pretty quickly to, okay, now can you, you've got over the big hump. Can you make a Stanley Cup run? Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, that's uh, had things not gone as poorly as they had the last six years. Like that's, that's the path we were supposed to be on here, right? That's correct. <laughs> There's been a couple of stumbles uh, along the way. All right, time now for last call. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Let's start with the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, Islanders in Carolina taking on the Hurricanes, trying to stay alive. And it is uh, the Islanders plus 135 underdogs. Carolina minus 157, 7 o'clock on Sportsnet. It is the Dallas Stars uh, trying to break this 2-2 series deadlock against the Minnesota Wild. They are minus 139, also 2-2 between the Oilers and uh, the Kings. And as we mentioned earlier, Stuart Skinner getting the starting goal for the Oilers. And Oilers, heavy favorites uh, after the big comeback in game four. They are minus 230. That's at 10 o'clock on Sportsnet West. NBA playoffs. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks trying to stave off elimination in Boston. Bruins are uh, the Celtics leading three games to one. Minus 13 are the Celtics at home in an elimination game nuggets trying to eliminate the T wolves. They are minus 10 and the blue Jays looking to secure themselves of a series victory against the Chicago white Sox with Jose Barrios on the mound minus one ninety five are the Toronto blue Jays. And that was last call. And it was brought to you by bet rivers. It's a whole new game. More important than anything you just laid out, just because it's also going to happen before our show tomorrow, tomorrow's Kikuchi day. Yeah, that's a great point. 1 p.m. start, so make sure you're, you're locked into that. Just You just laid out the Jays, and it's like, yeah, yeah they're going to win tonight, and then Kikuchi going for the sweep. It's fired up for Kikuchi starts now. It's a weird time. Yeah, it absolutely is. We'll be back tomorrow. Fan drive time. Ben Ennis, Blake Murphy, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360.